There hasn't been a week like this one at the Kansas State House since, well, maybe ever. With the coronavirus spreading more quickly and things everywhere shutting down, state lawmakers focused on what they absolutely had to get done before leaving Topeka, pass a budget. A flurry of far-reaching executive orders from Democratic Governor Laura Kelly, all aimed to the extent possible at keeping the coronavirus in check, added to the urgent and sometimes tense atmosphere at the Capitol. I don't want anybody to die. I don't want anybody to get this virus. But we can't close this country down. Everybody can't stay home. The most significant of those executive orders shut down Kansas schools for the rest of the school year. That has generated a lot of blowback. But Kelly says based on what she was hearing from public health experts and educators, she had no choice. This is really evidence-based uh, actions that we're taking. We know we have to do these kinds of things, and so we're doing them. We're not doing them just to exercise some power. We're doing them because they're in the best interest of Kansans. I'm Jim McLean, and just like it's dominating headlines around the world, the coronavirus dominates this week's installment of Statehouse Blend, a podcast from the Kansas News Service. Kansas News Service Statehouse reporter Stephen Coranda joins me now from his home in Lawrence. He may be sheltering in place, but he's been actively monitoring developments in the Capitol. Hi, Stephen. Thanks for remoting in. Hey, Jim. You're uh, actually reaching me in my mobile studio, which is my uh, car parked in the garage. Okay. Why is that? <laughs> well, this is, this is one of the only places I can go to get away from my uh, two loud children. Okay, well, thanks a lot for doing that. Stephen, I've heard this so many times over the years that it must be true, right? Uh, The only thing that the Kansas Constitution absolutely requires of lawmakers is that they approve a budget. Is that, in fact, the case? So they do have to do that, and that was really their top priority before they could leave. Uh, They passed a basic budget to give state agencies some certainty, and they included up to $65 million that the state can use to respond to coronavirus this fiscal year through June. But, you know, there are still a lot of budget items to tackle. They pushed off things like state employee raises for the veto session. So there's still a lot when they come back at the end of April. Is that additional $65 million earmarked for anything in particular, or is it being appropriated to ensure that state agencies on the front lines of this battle, like KDHE, maybe the adjutant general's office, uh, have some kind of a reserve fund to dip into? $15 million of it would go to the Division of Emergency Management, and the rest, $50 million, is in a pool that's available for a panel of lawmakers to dole out as the state kind of figures out how we need to respond. Okay, so Governor Kelly just signed several of what I would call emergency measures to help with the state's response to COVID-19. One would lengthen the time that displaced workers could draw unemployment benefits from 16 to 26 weeks, so from roughly four months to six and a half months. Another would give officials uh, who run the state's court system more flexibility to extend deadlines and use video conferencing to conduct hearings and trials and so forth. And a third, and I think this is really important, would allow school boards to waive a state law that requires students to spend 1,116 hours per year in the classroom. So this basically gives the state the ability to waive the rule that kids, you know, spend that certain amount of time being instructed because this is a pretty unprecedented situation. But some lawmakers really thought Kelly was going too far with big moves like closing schools. Uh, So senators actually voted initially to reduce some of her powers to respond to this emergency. Uh, Here's Republican Senator Karen Tyson. You know, we've got to accept responsibility ourselves. We can't rely on the government to tell us every little move to make. 
So like I said, senators initially voted to take away some of her emergency powers that she has under state law. But through the compromise process, what they decided is that she'll maintain all her powers, but a panel of lawmakers will have a little more oversight over what she's doing. Okay, so let me get this straight. The way it's going to work now, that declaration was initially scheduled to run almost through the end of next January. Now lawmakers will have to meet periodically to extend it. Is that right? Yeah, now it'll last through May 1st. And after that, lawmakers can extend it in 30-day increments. And uh, if they don't like what the governor's doing, in theory, they could also revoke that emergency declaration. So, Stephen, no one knows what the next couple of months will bring in terms of the spread of the coronavirus. But lawmakers are, as we mentioned earlier, hoping to come back at some point so that they can finish their work on things like uh, the sports gaming bill, which you and I have talked quite a bit about, the proposed anti-abortion amendment to the state constitution, and, of course, Medicaid expansion. The budget they approved means the state could manage if they can't come back, uh, but they really have every intention to get back to the state house in late April and do the final budget work and tackle those big things you mentioned. Well, let's hope that all these efforts to slow the spread of the coronavirus succeed in limiting both the severity and the length of this public health emergency and that it's possible for lawmakers to resume their work at some point. Yeah, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Yeah, me too. Stephen Coranda, thanks for your efforts to keep us informed under difficult circumstances. Well, thank you. Kansas Governor Laura Kelly has taken some very decisive action to slow the spread of the COVID-19 virus. She's shuttered schools, prohibited banks and other lending institutions from foreclosing on Kansans who may soon be unable to make their mortgage payments. And she's imposed limits on social gatherings. Not surprisingly, there's been some pushback from Kansans and some lawmakers who say she's overreacting given the relatively low number of coronavirus cases in Kansas compared to other states. But when I sat down with her, Kelly said it's her job to make tough decisions when necessary to protect the health of Kansans. And she said none has been tougher than her decision to close schools. It was an incredibly difficult uh, decision. You know, Jim, I've been a parent of school-age kids. I know what these parents are facing now that uh, we've closed the schools for the rest of the semester. I feel for our graduating seniors uh, for whom prom and graduation ceremonies may never happen. Uh, I recognize that that's a big deal, and I I'm sorry uh, that it has to happen, but I have to deal with the reality that we've got on the ground. And you know, we can't pretend this is going to be over in two weeks. It's not. It's going to go late into the spring, in, perhaps in the summer, and who knows what will happen in the fall. So we just have to plan ahead uh, because the most important thing uh, is the health and safety of Kansans. How are those running for you, calls and emails, uh, in terms of uh, people saying, have you lost your mind, or people saying, good for you? <laughs> oh, for those, being... were, those were high before, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing new. But, but really, seriously, I mean, do you have any sense for how public reaction is running? You know, I, my sense of it, and this is just gut based on, on no uh, data, uh, but I sense that people uh, are glad that we're taking control of this and that we are working together uh, with a whole host of folks uh, to move Kansas forward and to get ahead of the curve. I, I really have heard more thank you uh, for what we're doing uh, than concern. Senator Gene Sullentrop, a Wichita Republican, called your order closing schools, quote unquote, asinine, saying he was going to continue to go out in public and quote, mingle and spend money to keep the economy from crashing. You probably know Senator Solentrop well. If he were sitting right here, what would you say to him? 
Uh, I'm disappointed uh, that he would, you know, sort of be communicating with his base uh, to that. You know, we already know from what's happened on uh, the national level, you know, we, we have had some, you know, congressional leaders and, you know, go out and, and say those kinds of things and then delete that tweet as fast as they could because they realized how irresponsible it was. You know, we as elected officials should be setting uh, the example uh, for the people of Kansas, doing what we're asking them to do so that we prevent uh, the spread of this virus. Just before we sat down for this interview, Republican leaders in the Senate uh, put out a press release urging you to, quote, exercise caution when using your executive powers. Uh, in particular, they seem to be concerned about your recent order that requires all financial institutions in the state to suspend efforts to foreclose on homeowners or evict tenants who were behind on either their mortgage payments or their rent. I think we could have handled that a little bit better mm. uh, to uh, reduce the shock uh, of that, but it, it's something that had to be done. You know, we cannot at this point be putting people out on the street. And so your response to senators who are concerned about you, quote-unquote, abusing your executive powers would be that you think that you're exercising them responsibly, even though some of these decisions have been very bold and far-reaching. Oh, absolutely. You know, I have information that others may not. Uh, you know, and I, we're, we've got a team very closely following the trends of the coronavirus and, and what's happening here. This is really evidence-based uh, actions that we're taking. We know we have to do these kinds of things, and so we're doing them. We're not doing them just to exercise some power. We're doing them because they're in the best interest of Kansans. Kelly says the state's health care system is ready to take care of people who get sick, unless the infection rate skyrockets. Then, she says, Kansas, like many other states, won't have enough intensive care beds or ventilators. I just got off a phone call with the National Governors Association where we had all of the governors together and we were talking about exactly that. We're putting in a, a list of requests uh, to the feds uh, and you know, the need for more test kits uh, mm -hmm. is, is nationwide, the need for more ventilators is nationwide, and the need for more uh, personal protection equipment is nationwide. Uh, there are also uh, conversations going on with the Corps of Engineers uh, regarding setting up uh, temporary, you know, essentially, ICUs. Those things are, they're on the table, they're being discussed right now, and, and hopefully the feds will be able to, to respond and really ramp up the production of particularly the equipment and the tests. Speaking of the federal government, there was a lot of criticism early about it, the, the slowness of its response, particularly when it comes to our capacity to do the testing. Uh, in your experience in the last couple of days, calls like the one you had with the NGA and others, and you were on the phone with the president the other day, correct? Mm -hmm. um, yes. is, is the federal response improving? I, I do believe that it is. Uh, I, I think the sense of urgency has set in uh, on the federal level, and uh, they are being much more responsive. Uh, I think we did lose a window of opportunity to sort of ramp up some of the things like the production of the tests and the ventilators and the personal protection equipment. Uh, and so we're, we're trying to catch up on those kinds of things, but I think the other general response has, has been pretty good. Kansas Governor Laura Kelly, who generously gave us some time in the midst of what has to be one of the most eventful weeks in our state's history. Thank you, Governor. We close this week with a story about what might be the final chapter of the 2020 legislative session. Concerns about the spread of the coronavirus forced Kansas lawmakers to leave weeks before their scheduled spring break. And while they hope to come back in late April to resolve some big, outstanding issues, 
Medicaid expansion and the proposed constitutional amendment on abortion among them. That might not happen. So before leaving town, they scrambled to approve a budget to keep the state functioning. It includes millions of new dollars to help Kansas and Kansans deal with the pandemic. We go back to Kansas News Service Statehouse reporter Stephen Caranda for the story. Monday started with significant disagreement on what lawmakers should be doing and how to proceed as COVID-19 cases in Kansas rose. House leaders wanted to approve a bare-bones budget, which would let them leave for an extended spring break, but still make sure state agencies would have certainty. One lawmaker even called for divine intervention. Please be in an attitude of prayer. House Democratic leader Tom Sawyer wanted to leave as soon as possible, calling the state house a big petri dish where the virus could potentially spread. Please nudge our counterparts in the Senate. Please help them to work with a little more urgency. But Senate leaders pushed to stay for at least a few more days to have a full debate. Republican Senate President Susan Wagle said they should not rush something like the budget. The unknown always causes fear. However, let's not let fear cause us to make irrational decisions. The Senate got their way. The whole week was eerie at the State House. Hundreds of lawmakers, staff, and lobbyists were there, but the building was closed to the general public. The usually noisy place was quiet enough to hear a single set of footsteps ring out. Outside of the Capitol, Democratic Governor Laura Kelly had closed all K-12 schools and banned gatherings of 50 people or more. Some counties shrunk that to 10. Lawmakers still met and crafted an almost $20 billion budget, including the basics needed to create stability for state agencies and education. They also added a $65 million infusion of cash to fight coronavirus in the coming months and additional money for services like local health departments and mental health. Some conservatives thought the spending plan was irresponsible, considering businesses were closing and global markets had plunged. Here's Republican Senator Rob Olson. You think the tax revenue is going to come? Where the money going to come from? I mean, is there a tree out on the back lawn here that I don't know about that grows $100 bills? I have not seen our president say, we need to cut social services. In fact, I've seen the president put more money in the budget. That's the Senate's top budget writer, Republican Carolyn McGinn. We don't have fluff in this. More than anything, we took care of the social services that are going to be very much needed back in your home communities. Democratic Senator Marcy Francisco said the situation shines a light on the state health department's outdated 60-year-old labs, one of many items that did not make the cut for the initial budget. I'm sure that each of us has some issues we would still like to see addressed this session. As they left, lawmakers like Republican Representative Blaine Finch were hoping they could continue working together in the face of the growing coronavirus pandemic. We're not going to get through this as a House or a Senate, as Republicans or Democrats, conservatives or progressives. We're not going to get through this as a legislature or a governor. We're going to get through this as we have time and time and time again in this state, together as Kansans. 
Lawmakers plan to be back at the end of April for their usual veto session, although they are allowing themselves flexibility to return earlier or later. When they do, they might need to provide more help for the state's coronavirus response. They'll also likely look to break the logjam on expanding Medicaid to 130,000 Kansans and getting that constitutional amendment on abortion rights to voters. For the Kansas News Service, I'm Stephen Caranda. That's it for this week, and what a week it was. The legislature may be gone, but there's still plenty going on at the State House and around the state, so we'll be back next week. In the meantime, keep practicing social distancing. Hopefully all this practice will make us good enough at it that we'll flatten that infection curve that everyone's talking about. Thanks again to Governor Laura Kelly for taking a break from all of her executive ordering to talk to us about why she's taking such decisive action in this public health emergency. Remember to listen to your favorite public radio station so that the folks at NPR and those of us here at the Kansas News Service can keep you posted on all the latest developments. And while you're sheltering in place, spend some time on our website at ksnewsservice.org. This is Statehouse Blend, Kansas, in Topeka. I'm Jim McLean. Statehouse Blend Kansas is a production of the Kansas News Service, a collaboration of public radio stations across the state. Our theme music was provided by Nameless Dancers. Follow the Kansas News Service at ksnewsservice.org and subscribe to Statehouse Blend wherever you get your podcasts.